Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Hey, it's grad day here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I've asked, yeah, absolutely, give it up for our grads. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like a whole cheering section right down here. It's awesome. Hey, I'm going to ask a few of our grads I've asked to come on up this morning. Uh, we've got, I think, four that we're honoring in this service, and uh, so I'm going to ask uh, Lauren, Olivia, Kelsey, and Evan to come on up here, and um, man, you guys... Some of you who are my age or maybe a little beyond that, you remember this time in your lives? Yeah? I mean, it may be hard, I realize, but you might remember this time in, our, in your lives. Um, guys, we're so proud of you as a church and what you've accomplished. I, I know you're not quite there yet, and we're doing this a little bit early. Is, this may be the first like, time this year that you've been honored for this. But we wanted to do this early. We wanted to say how excited we are about um, the accomplishments that you guys have had in high school, and um, now we're going to be praying for you guys as a church. We're going to be praying for you in this next chapter of life, and um, we have a gift for you guys, and I've um, just written something in here for, for each of you. Evan, there's yours. All right, let's see, and then uh, Lauren, there's yours right there. Very good, and uh, Kelsey, there you go, and Olivia, and um, this is a book called Streams in the Desert. It was written by a lady who was a missionary to the Orient, and she wrote many books, and uh, um, her name was, last name was Kalman, but uh, about 30 years ago, it was rewritten kind of in today's language, a little bit more modern and that sort of thing, and a guy by the name of Jim Ryman rewrote it. He re-edited this book with permission from her publisher, and um, in 1995, um, when I was actually getting ready to graduate from college, this book was rewritten, and my mom, who just passed away about three years ago, was one of the editors on this book. And so it has deep meaning for me, and it's called Streams in the Desert, and it has been a rock for many people going through difficulty. And so I want to encourage you, Evan and Olivia and Kelsey and Lauren and many of you who are here, uh, just maybe seniors or not, um, this is a book that closely relates to the Word of God. And I want to encourage you through this next chapter of life to remain faithful to Him and to His Word. And uh, hopefully this devotional will be something that will help you do that. And so we're proud of you and we're excited for you. And I'm going to pray. And so if you're a part of our church, why don't you stand up right now and just reach out your hand in support of them. And I want to pray over them. So would you join me in a word of prayer for these four graduates here? God, I thank you so much for Lauren and Kelsey and Olivia and Evan. God, I thank you so much for their lives, God. And I thank you for um, just what you have done in their lives. God, I thank you for the accomplishments that they have had. God, and I pray your blessing on them as, as they enter this new chapter of life, a chapter filled with all kind of challenges. God, we as their church, myself as their pastor, I pray that they would remain strong in you, God, that they would seek you out in college, that they would find you, that they would use your word as their standard. God, it would be a foundation for them, and I pray that they wouldn't deviate. And God, I pray for your blessing in their lives. And God, we pray for them in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Awesome. We're excited for you guys. Why don't you give it up for our grads this morning? <laughs> you guys can be seated as they make their way to their seats. We are continuing in our series, World Upside Down, and you can turn to the Acts uh, chapter 16, the book of Acts 
chapter 16, and I've written this message largely kind of geared around our grads. I was with my dad last night. My dad was in town. He had to leave early this morning because he had to get back to his church in Tampa for a missions meeting. My sister's here, Katie, and her family, they're here uh, today. And I was with my dad last night, and he said, man, I'm sorry, I can't be at church. And I said, it's too bad you're missing it. It's senior day. And he was like, senior day? I should be there. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's not senior day, it's grad day. Okay, there's a huge difference, Dad. So I thought that was funny. I thought you guys might enjoy that. So uh, yeah, we'll do senior day some other time. So uh, anyway, we're continuing in Acts chapter 16 today, and we're continuing in our series called World Upside Down. And we have been walking through uh, the book of Acts, taking a look at how the people of the first church used by God, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, having received God's Holy Spirit, literally turned culture on its head. They turned the world upside down, and they did it for the cause of Christ, and they did it for the kingdom effort. And I love today's message because I believe it's going to relate to those of you, you four who are grads, but it really relates to all of us in, in so many different ways. We're going to be taking a look at Timothy. Um, today and his calling in a in a passage that's maybe a little bit obscure we might miss it if we read acts we might tend to skip over it and we're going to be taking a look at this passage that i think really if you stop and take a look it has a lot to do with our calling with what we can do for god and really our purpose in life and so uh so really it's for all of us not just for our grads or seniors, if you will. Okay, so, so far we've uh, covered a lot of different things. We've really taken a look at the fact that um, in this powerful, among this powerful group of people, uh, that were, they were being used by God in a mighty way, and the gospel message began to spread. Started in Jerusalem, began to spread, went up into Judea and up into Galilee, and it began to spread, all right? And so we're at the point, and we're not going chronologically, we're taking steps forward and we're taking steps back, depending on what we're doing as a church, largely, but we're walking through it. And at this point in time, there's been one of the three and a half missionary journeys that we see in the book of Acts. And I promise you, we're going to get to that in the month of June. We're going to be getting to these missionary journeys because that's where you really see the world turned upside down. Okay, so one of these missionary journeys has already happened. And, and these men and these women are going around to parts of the world that are known and unknown. And in the first missionary journey, they take this journey into Galilee, I mean, into um, Galatia, uh, which is an area that was extremely rough. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. It was an extremely difficult area just to navigate. And this is an area that we know as modern-day Turkey. And um, back then, it was a very difficult place to even go to. And there were a lot of dangers in it and that sort of thing. And they come home. They end up back in Jerusalem. It's about 50 years after Jesus has, has uh, been resurrected from the dead. And the church in Jerusalem, the church around the world, is going through opposition. Now, if you remember over the past few weeks... As the gospel begins to expand, as the church begins to grow in numbers, we see two things, two pressures happening. There's a pressure from outside the church. It's opposition to what God was doing. People that didn't want the message of Jesus preached, they didn't want to see this church grow in numbers or expand around the world, and they opposed what was going on, and they tried to stop it. But the second pressure was coming from within, 
And as an organization grows, especially a church, uh, people from within begin, begin to usually begin, begin to get dissatisfied and complaints arose. And we see how these groups of the leaders and the Christians there in the first church dealt with it. So they kind of fast forward a few more years. We're going to go back and take a look at Paul's conversion later. Paul come, becomes a Christian, this great Christian killer, becomes a Christian, and now he is the new leader of the church. And he goes on this missionary journey, takes Barnabas with him. It's an amazing thing what happens. And they get back, and the church is in chaos. There's all of these different kind of um, conflict things going on. There's all of this debate going on, and it all centers around the things, kind of the old part of Judaism that Jesus told the, the, these new Christians that he came to bring it to completion. And so they meet in Jerusalem in chapter 15, and they have this council, and they bring to conclusion a couple different issues, one of them which is circumcision. And some of you are like, great, I'm at church, and he's talking about circumcision. Thank you very much. Didn't need that today. And if your kids don't know about it and they're here, send them to Island Kid next time. But have fun at lunch today, okay? So anyway, they're having all this discussion around what foods were right to eat and what kind of uh, ways you could live your lives and the church is divided. There were people that were saying, you need to do this. You need to follow the old way. You need to follow things according to the law. And the rest of them were saying, no, Jesus came to complete that. And we see this played out when Paul is looking for someone to take his place, to kind of fill in for him, to be a pastor because he can't meet all the needs. And they begin this second missionary journey and they're on this trip, and they're back up in Galatia, and he meets Timothy. And take a look at what happens here in Acts chapter 16. We're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. That's really important. We're going to come back to that in a moment. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra or Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for all, they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to him, to them for observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. That's what happened in chapter 15, the council in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, Paul encounters Timothy, and Timothy is a young man. We don't know exactly how old Timothy is, but some scholars believe that he was as young as possibly a teenager when Paul encounters him and hears about him. And I want you to know, we're not going to be taking an in-depth look at the life of Timothy, but Timothy ends up being one of really essentially Paul's replacement. He ends up leading and pastoring and discipling and teaching many of these churches that Paul and the rest of these disciples started in Galatia, you know, modern-day Turkey, and then into Greece when they go into Macedonia. And, and Timothy is one of the great giants of the faith, but when Paul encounters him, he is young. And he is looking at most of his future ahead. Like there are chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters of Timothy's life that are about to be written, and Paul enters the picture, and he brings him close in, and he begins discipling him, and he knows that this is his replacement. 
I love in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, because I don't know about you seniors and those of you who are in here who are in middle school and high school, but sometimes when we're young, we think we can't be used by God because of our youth. We think that because maybe we don't have all the experience in the world or because we don't have all the knowledge of God's word that we can't be used. And i got to tell you, that is absolutely not the truth. God can use us in mighty ways. I said us like I'm their age just then. That was a Freudian slip. God can use all of us, and he can use those of you who are young in a mighty way. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says this. He says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an, ex- an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Listen, you all have a great opportunity to lead people who are your age. You can lead, you know, uh, uh, you know horizontally. You can lead, um, you know, people who are younger than you. But you also have the opportunity to even lead us. You can lead vertically. You can lead up. And Paul makes it clear to Timothy, man, he can be used by God. If you're in here today and you're young, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. You can be used by God. But I got to tell you, in this passage of Acts chapter 16, I think that we see Paul lay out and Timothy kind of involved in this and Luke writing this, this message, this, this kind of like historical narrative of what was going on in the first church. I think we find out here four things that we have to understand if we want to be used by God, if we want to remain close to him and be used by him. And so I want to talk about those four things. The first and foremost is this. I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter how old you are. These four things are true, but it's especially true for those of you who are young. First and foremost, God will use your personal story. God will use your personal story. Uh, what happens here in the first verse, it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, Lystra, a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. That is not unimportant information. Luke includes it here because Luke wants us to get a picture of Timothy that he was born to a household that was of mixed race. And in that day and age, someone who was Jewish and someone who was Greek getting together and having a family, they, they might have been kind of pushed out on the edge of society. They might have been marginalized or ignored because of their background. And Luke, mentioning this, he's specifically saying, hey, God is going to use you because of your personal background. He is going to use you you know, not just in spite of it, but he is going to use it because he's created you in his image. You were born in his image. You were created for a purpose. You were created for a reason. And regardless of what your background may be, regardless of what the world may say about your background, God will use it for his glory. Rick Warren said this, In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, many of you have probably read that book throughout the years. He says, you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. It's true, isn't it? You were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. And I wonder what was going through Timothy's mind. He became a follower of Jesus. Paul shows up. He's probably looking for someone young to recruit. 
And Timothy's probably thinking to himself, man, I'm the last guy. Here I am. I'm half Jewish. I'm half Greek. I've grown up in this area. I, I don't really, I'm pulled in different directions here. I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I don't know the scriptures really well yet. I haven't been fully, you know, taught on all the ins and outs of everything. I haven't been to seminary yet. They didn't have seminaries back then. But, you know, I haven't been to seminary yet. And so he's probably wondering, what in the world can God do with my life? You can do amazing things with your life. And Paul recognizes that, and Luke includes this for a reason. Listen, I want you to know this. Every part of your story can be used for God. Every part of it. The parts that you have victory in, the parts that you know, we just congratulated you for because you've achieved these great achievements and all the things that you've done that, man, you're kind of ashamed of. You'd rather have that day back or that week back or that month back, that year back. All the things that you've done maybe to disappoint people. He will use all of your story. And I think instead of asking whether or not he can use us I think we need to ask, what part of our story, what part of my story sets me apart from everyone else? What part of my story is unique? What part of my story is something that God might use in a way that is really impactful for someone else that has a huge impact? He's going to use us. He's going to use all of our backgrounds, all of our successes, and all of our failures. He's going to use our struggles, a broken home that we might have come from, struggle with an addiction that we might have had, a struggle in relationships that just keep on seeming to end in failure. He's going to use even that part of your story. Maybe the emotional hurt or the mental illness or the fight against cancer, he is going to use every part of it if you will allow him to. If you'll allow him to. The second thing I think we can learn about being used by God is not only that he can use every part of our story, but the second thing is is that God will honor our good reputation. God is going to honor your good reputation. I love this in verse 2 of Acts chapter 16. It says this, just one very small sentence. It says, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. That meant that Timothy had a good reputation And, you know, I think about reputation, and I think that, like, the whole idea of having a good or bad reputation is kind of lost in our day when, um, you know, a a genuine, truthful, honest, authentic kind of approach to life is so valued. And, hey, I think those are good things, right? But I think in that, we may lose this idea of a reputation. We kind of say, you know, life should all be about authenticity and genuineness, if that's even a word, and truthfulness and honesty. And so we throw out the idea of having a good reputation. You know, I think we can have both. I think we can be genuine. We can be ourselves. We can have people take us as I am, but at the same time, have a good reputation I want you to know something. doesn't matter if you're a senior or a, a grad or if you're in high school or middle school or if you're kind of like in the retirement phase of your life or right in the middle of your career life or, you know, working at home, whatever that may be, whatever your life looks like, um, reputation matters. Paul was on the lookout for someone who he could choose to 
take over the huge responsibilities of pastoring some of these churches and keeping these Christians focused on the word and kind of keeping them in line in, in many ways, but yet pastoring them when they were going through struggles. And he was on the search for someone who had a good reputation. I think that we kind of have thrown out that it really matters, and it does matter. What we do in life matters. Our actions matter. How we treat other people matters. Our conduct with our friends, listen, seniors, it matters. Grads, sorry, it matters. It matters. What we click on, what we post, how we speak to each other, how we treat our families, how we treat the resources that God has given us, how we act and how we behave, it matters. You can have a good reputation and an authentic relationship with God all in the same life. It matters. I think the question that we need to ask is, what, what decisions should I make right now to preserve or change my reputation? Here's the great thing. Even though it matters and even though our reputation might have been tarnished in the past, Lamentations tells us that his mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. You can wake up literally every single morning and have a new chapter in life. And so your reputation today matters in your life. Timothy knew that. Paul was looking for it. And God's going to change the world in the future with people whose reputation is good and pure and untarnished. Not perfect, but untarnished. The third thing that I think we need to learn is, is that God will provide mentors to teach, to guide, to coach, and to counsel. Verse 3 is a tricky one in a lot of ways. And we're going to get to the tricky part in the fourth point, the last point. But right at the beginning, he says that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him, and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the place, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, here's the thing. Paul asked for Timothy to accompany him, not to be the guy that carried his scrolls and went and washed his tunic or, like, got new sandals. He asked Timothy to come close to him so that he could teach him how to live. This was discipleship at its purest. He was teaching him what ministry was. He was teaching him about life. He was training him on who to be more than how to do things in life. And so Paul wanted Timothy to come in close. And if you're a grad in here, or if you're a high school student, man, I, I, I want to recommend something. As you enter this next phase of life, this next chapter of life, look for someone who you respect to come alongside of. You make the first move. You talk to someone who you respect, who's a person of great deep faith in Jesus, and you say, hey, I want you to mentor me. Adults, parents, those of you who have a deep abiding faith, find someone that you can mentor. Be the Paul to someone who's a Timothy. Come alongside and teach them what the Bible says. Be involved in their lives. Help guide them and direct them and 
So the question that I want to ask you today, those of you who are grads and are young, is who in your life is a potential mentor? Who in your life is a potential mentor? I've told the story, and I'm not going to tell the whole story this morning, but when I was 16 years old, I, I actually, when I was about 14 years old, I walked into a church one day, and there was a guy named Jeff Cranston there, and he was the youth pastor, came alongside of me and asked me if I, he, I wanted to be discipled by him, and I said yes, and I'm standing here today because of that relationship. The churches, those new, brand new churches, and uh, places like modern-day Greece and Turkey and even up into Rome, were strengthened because Paul brought Timothy close to him and chose to mentor him and disciple him. And so we need to understand that, man, our reputation matters, but the people that we get close to are going to shape our lives. The last thing I think we need to understand is, is that God holds you to a high standard. Listen, if you're a grad in here, if you're anyone in here today and you want to be used by God, if you're listening on our web stream or on our podcast, you want to be used by God, I want to encourage you to realize that not only does your reputation matter, but God is going to hold you to a high standard. In verse 16, in the second part of it, it says that Paul took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in this place, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, let me frame this for you for a second, okay? Don't worry, I'm not going into detail. But this was a tradition that was begun by the Jewish people to remember the faithfulness of God to remember that they needed to flee from sin and to follow him. It was important to their faith, but over time, it just became a bit of a ritual. That's it. It was done to infants because God gave us this great thing in life that we don't remember things when we're infants, men. And in chapter 15... Paul says, this doesn't matter anymore. You people who are saying that new Christians need to be circumcised as adults, you're wrong, and we're bringing this to a close. There was a period, in fact, there was an, there was an explanation point at the end of the sentence. Done. No more was this needed to be saved. And in the very next chapter, Paul finds his mentee, his protege, and he says, hey, Tim, Got good news and bad news. Good news, you're coming with me. The bad news is you're going to go through a little pain first, all right? And then later on, they find Titus, and Titus, they say he doesn't need to go through this. Why in the world did Paul insist that Timothy go through this painful experience? Here's why. Because he wanted to preserve his reputation. He wanted to preserve the fact that he was uh, someone who was born to a Jewish woman. And he wanted to preserve and protect and ensure that Timothy had the highest standards. He didn't want for anyone that Timothy potentially would minister to, to say, wait a minute, we have a problem with And I got to tell you, church, when God calls us to do something great for him, I got to tell you, grads, when he calls you to do something great for him, he may call you to lay aside a part of your life that's radical. He may ask you to do something or get rid of something or maybe to make a new life choice that you never in a million years thought that you would lay down. 
In fact, you thought it would be incredibly difficult to give up that part of your life. In fact, right now as I'm speaking, God may be bringing things to your mind and you're like, no, I cannot give that up. But God is saying, if you want to be used for me, you're going to have to let that go. You're going to have to give that up. You're going to have to be called to a higher standard so that no one can question your motives, so that no one can question why you're doing what you're doing, so that they can't question who Jesus is. And so sometimes he's going to call you if he's got a great plan for you to a higher standard. And the question I think we need to ask is, what lifestyle choice may God be leading me to make in my life? If I want to be used by him, I've got to start acting in a way that makes him look amazing. And that may mean cutting something out of my life that's painful. It might be a habit, it might be a sin, it might be a lifestyle. It may be something that goes back years ago. It might be bitterness, it might be unforgiveness. It may be something in your life that would hinder you from doing ministry to its greatest degree. And he's calling you right now to lay it at the altar, to get rid of it, to be done with it, and to cut it out so that you can be used to your maximum him. You know, you guys are about ready to enter a phase of life where the next chapter is unwritten. It's unwritten. Don't you love that word, unwritten? I like that. It's a blank page. It shouldn't be overwhelming. God has all kind of possibilities, and he has all kind of plans for you, but I think it's going to require us to realize that if we're going to be used by him, if that chapter that's unwritten is going to be something that's brings him glory, and makes his name more famous. He's going to call us to do some things and to live a way that's different from the rest of the world. And it doesn't matter really whether you're a grad or a senior or somewhere in between. If we want to be used by God, he's going to call us to take that next chapter and to let him write the pages. But first, we may have to do some things to get ready. Father God, I thank you so much. For Timothy, I thank you, God, that this man who continued to turn the world upside down and continued in that um, work that Paul had begun and Peter and John had been a part of and James, God, uh, Timothy continued it on. He solidified the church. He, he did amazing things as a pastor and a teacher. And God, I just uh, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would um, be with everybody in here, whether they're grads or not, whether... God, they're in kind of the new phase of their jobs and careers. God, whether they're in the, right in the middle of life, like myself, or whether they're in a phase of life where their work days are behind them, their raising kids' days are behind them. And God, I pray that for all of us that we would recognize and realize that um, tomorrow is a new chapter. Doesn't matter whether we're graduates or not. God, you're going to call us, if we're followers of you, to do something to expand your kingdom. Something. In some way, in some form or fashion. And God, I pray right now that you would help us to realize, God, that we can follow you and you can use our past experience and you can use 
our past failures and our past victories. And God, you can use our background and you can use our education if we're willing to allow you to use it. God, I pray that you would help us to realize that our reputation matters. God, most of all, right now in this moment, I pray that you would help us to think of that one thing that we need to rid our lives of that might tarnish your reputation. It's really not about us. It's about what we do to reflect you. And right now, just in the quietness of this moment as Gino plays, I just want to give you a moment to lay that at God's feet. If you want to pray with someone, I'm, I'll be up here, and I know Scott will Pastor Scott will be over by the cross. If, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, need to, I need to work on this one thing, and you don't even have to tell us what it is. God knows. Or maybe you just need to sit in that place right now just quietly, just for a moment. If you would just, just begin to think about what that is that he wants you to get rid of so that you can be used by him to turn the world upside down, just for a moment in this quiet place. I pray that you would use us to further your kingdom. God, I pray that we would go where you tell us to go, that we would make the most of this next chapter, whatever it is. God, that we would realize that when we wake up tomorrow morning, it is a brand new day. And you have a plan and a purpose for us. And God, I pray that we would walk in that with hope and encouragement, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what you did on the cross. God, we give you now today. And we give you our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.